Welcome to the Girl on Top Shallon XO podcast. I'm your host, Shallon Lester, and you might know me from my YouTube channel where I analyze celeb relationships and scandals for the lessons we can take into our own lives. But here on the podcast, I answer the best questions you submitted over the last week. And today, we're going to be talking about open relationships, when you can have too much transparency, whether or not you can fix a bad texter, and a whole lot more. If you want to chat privately with me, find me on the Instant Go app. My username is ShallonXO and click chat to get connected. And yes, it's now available for Android as well as iOS. And be sure to rate and review this podcast if you like it. And find me on YouTube for new videos every other day. Leah sent in this next question, and I really like it because I feel like it's something a lot of us are dealing with. She's like, Dear Shallon, I'm recently out of a long-term relationship, and I reconnected with this guy I used to know before my previous relationship, and we connected on social media, we exchanged phone numbers, and so far, it's going really well in person. We've had three super fun dates, but in between then, His texts are the driest thing in the world. And it'll take him like 18 hours to text me back. And he's a musician, so he's on the road. So maybe he's busy. I don't know. But like literally his text about the weekend was, hey, yeah, that's good. You had a fun weekend. Mine was good as well. Hope to see you sooner rather than later. Like, hello? Drier than the Sahara. So I don't understand if he's into me. If he's not, should I keep reaching out? Help. If there's one thing I hate, and this is not just because I'm a writer, it's bad texters. Because I don't actually believe there is such a thing as a bad texter. Like when people say, I don't know, I'm just not a good texter. What that means is either you're not important to me, or I'm literally texting with so many other girls, you need to manage expectations and realize I'm probably only going to respond to you like every 10 hours because I prioritize 10 other girls. Because let's get real. 2019, who is not looking at their phone every five minutes? Like, I've realized I pick up my phone and look at it every 45 seconds. Have you ever heard of anything sadder? I have not. So I don't get to say, oh, like I'm a bad texter. Honey, if celebrities can text people back, like this dude can text people back. Like I always say, if it's important, you'll find a way. And if it's not, you'll find an excuse. If Barack Obama could carry on not just a texting relationship, not just a dating relationship, but a marriage to someone as badass as Michelle, like while being president. I'm not really interested in excuse from other people that like, they're busy, I'm a bad texter, blah, 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 blah. And here's the other thing that bothers me about it. Literally, like he doesn't know her. Any question he could ask, he doesn't know the answer to. The The amount of curiosity is infinite because they're still getting to know each other. So if he can't think of anything to say, anything to say, then what kind of boyfriend is this person going to make? Because that is what we need to be looking at dating as. It's an audition. Are you right for this role of boyfriend? Do we connect? Are you giving me what I need in a variety of different categories? And instead, so much of the time we focus on, does he like me? Does he like me? Does he like me? Who gives a shit? Do you like him? Is he going to give you what you need? Because look, and I didn't realize this until I found myself in a really like healthy long-term relationship, 
is how much downtime there is. There is a lot of chill time. There is a lot of evenings on the couch, watching The Office, hanging out. And like, if he can't bring the interesting, bring the funny, bring that spark and that zest and that pizzazz on like date number three, what is year number three going to look like? Forget even year. What is month number three going to look like with this person? You're going to be bored to tears. Because if he doesn't have that organic curiosity about your life now, he's not going to randomly get it like seven months down the line. If he doesn't care now, he's never going to care. You have to look at dating and these stages as as good as it's ever going to get. So if he's a bad texter, cool. How is that going to be when he's your number one and you've had a really bad day at work and you're crying in the bathroom and uh, well, he's not going to text you back for 18 hours. How are you going to keep justifying prioritizing someone like that, you know, at the expense of other people? So again, we need to take it back and be like, is this person viably going to fit into my life? And it might be that like texting is an indicator that maybe no. And also I think it's significant that he is a musician. Like maybe he's busy on the road. Girl, I have dated my fair share of musicians and I can tell you that being on the road is terrible. It's this, it's very repetitive. You're on the bus like 12 hours at a time and uh no you're not very busy you're laying in your bunk you're eating flaming hot cheetos maybe working on some new songs then you get on stage and you see the crowd and blah 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 and then you get right back on the bus and leave maybe you shag a few groupies i don't know that's it so like he's got time to text because everyone has time to text every single human being on planet earth has time to text and if legitimately legitimately they don't okay you need to not be dating. Like, that's just the fact of the matter. Like, if you can't afford something, either financially, emotionally, schedule-wise, you need to not be doing it. Pull over and get out of this traffic lane of dating. Don't think that it's your job as a woman to close the gap between who he is and what he's capable of right now and who he should be and what you need. So I told her, pull back, don't reach out at all, and see if you've been watering a dead plant because you will know really quickly because it's really easy for like people to respond. But like I always say, it's that passive reciprocation loop that we really need to avoid where it's like, yeah, he'll reply. Sure, he'll like meet up with you. Yes, he will allow you to come over to suck his dick at 11 p.m. or meet up on a tour stop. But is that courtship? And if that is courtship to him, is that your definition? I'm going to go out on a limb and say probably not. This question comes from a girl named Kenny, and she says, Shallon, I love you. And my boyfriend and I are trying an open relationship, and I found a guy on the side that he knows about, and I'm trying to find a secondary partner for my boyfriend, but I don't know how to go about this without like going on dating apps, and that just feels risky to put our business out there like that. We're both professional, because I want to find someone for him soon, because he's getting really antsy and anxious about me having a guy and like him not. So, Shaliners, I bet you're wondering, why is she doing this question on the podcast? This is like so niche and not really something most of us are probably going through. Aha. This is why I'm talking about this. Because society tells us that men are the ones who are going to want to do all this crazy sexual stuff and have these wild relationships and sister wives and open relationships and orgies and blah, blah, blah. And you know what I found? 
by and large, dudes are oftentimes the more conservative ones. Because the advice I gave Kenny was like, this, the problem isn't, oh, you need to find a girl for him. The problem is he doesn't want this situation. He doesn't want his girlfriend out sleeping with other dudes or having another boyfriend or even having that on her mind. Guys, like I said, are actually kind of meat and potatoes. Dudes, they just need to get laid regularly. And it's my theory that it's fine if it's the same woman. It just needs to be regular. Like marriages break down. I mean, obviously for a trillion reasons, but if we're talking sexually, it breaks down when people stop having sex. And it's not usually the guy who's tired of sleeping with his wife. More than not, it's the woman who's tired of the husband. Even biologically, this tracks. You know a penis, like the body part? You know, like the head of the penis, how it's kind of like a little mushroom? Do you know what that sort of like ridge is, that mushroom head ridge? Do you know what that is for biologically? That is for pulling the sperm that was already in a woman's vagina out. Pulling the sperm from the previous guy out and making room for his own. Now, isn't that interesting? That tells me that it's actually the woman who has the prerogative to go out and have a bunch of partners. Because think about it. A woman is trying to mate with the best possible genetic specimen, right? So it's in her best interest to take like, you know, seven different sperm samples, shall we say, and let the sperm fight it out. May the best little swimmer win, you know, because she wants the best genetic material. Guys, on the other hand, I mean, yes, they're designed to spread their seed, but if they have one woman who's mateable, who they've deemed as mateable and fertile, why not just keep pumping out babies with her? I don't think genetically guys are necessarily like, it has to be 10 different baby mamas. It can be 10 kids with the same woman. So what does this have to do with what we're talking about? Well, like I said, even biologically, it seems like women are down to get freaky and guys are a little bit more conservative. So I told Kenny that like, you know what? There's a big difference between someone agreeing to someone to something and a situation and a dynamic and them actually being gang for it. Like, it does not sound like your boyfriend wants to do this at all. And it kind of sounds to me like you don't want to be with your boyfriend anymore. And I've been down this road. I felt like, oh, I'll try to open a relationship. It's really just, I didn't want to be with that partner. For whatever reason, they were boring, the sex was bad, I just, we were over it, it had run its course. And I think we have to honor that truth. You know, otherwise we get into these convoluted things like she is with this open relationship and I have another boyfriend and I need to find a girlfriend for my boyfriend. It's like, what? This seems really complicated when actually, at the end of the day, it isn't. It's, I'm over it. I want something different. I went out of this relationship. It was good once. It isn't now. It's the oldest story in the book. And that's okay. So I told her that if this is a situation, cut the cord cleanly and move forward. Because maybe she just needs to go and get her yayas out and see what's on the other side. And, you know, maybe the grass isn't greener. Maybe it is. But if it turns out it's not greener, if she cuts the cord cleanly, she has a shot of getting back together. But if you lead a guy down this path where he is so uncomfortable, and I mean, Think of how awful it would be to be in love with someone and have them say, hey, you know what I'd like? Mm, no, not to sleep with you. To sleep with a lot of people who are not you. Ooh, how about that? What agony. And then not only that, do I want to sleep with other people? I would love for you to stick around and be part of it. <laughs> like, I want you to have a front row seat, my dude. That would be agony. Agony. And all it's going to do is build resentment and 
absolutely fray and shred the connection that you guys have. So while it isn't pleasant to be like, I have to make a choice, by and large, you do. This question comes from Holly, and she lives across the pond in Germany. And she had a really interesting question. She said, I've had a boyfriend for like a year and a half, and the first year was great until he told me early on in our relationship that he kissed his ex-girlfriend and felt really guilty about it, and he wanted to come clean. And it shocked me because I don't seem to have like, I didn't have that intuition that you always talk about that like something was wrong. Like I just didn't see this coming. And after that, he tried to redeem himself and I forgave him, but we just weren't able to make it where it was. You know, it's kind of like the bloom was off the rose. And I broke it off because I just couldn't see a future because his best friend was also constantly telling him to break it off. So there was this weird interloper in our relationship. So cut to eight months later, we bumped into each other. He told me he worked on himself and he cut that dude off, his weird interloping friend. So we're in a relationship again, but I'm not really sure about my feelings. I just don't see that a lot has changed, but whatever, I'm willing to accept that maybe it has. Also, like in eight months, I dated around and there's a lot of garbage men out there. So I'm starting to maybe appreciate him a little bit more. But the one thing I cannot stand is that he's such a flirt. I'm very introverted. He's very extroverted. And I'm also really sensitive about this because, hello, he already cheated on me with his ex. So, and I mean, he's also really super hot. And I find myself really jealous and insecure a lot. And because of that, I told him that I always want full transparency. So he told me that a coworker is like obviously flirting with him. And I became enraged that he isn't being proactive and telling this bitch that he's in a relationship. So I just can't shake the feeling that he's going to cheat on me again. And although in so many ways he is a great guy, I just don't want to repeat the same mistake and waste my time. Like, do you think I should call him out on this? Do you think I should break up? Or do you think I should just kind of learn that this is who he is? Hmm. So I feel you on this. This kind of a very similar thing happened with my boyfriend when we first started dating, like basically six months in or something like he had an ex come out of the woodwork who like he hadn't hooked up with her. But in my mind, it was something kind of worse. Like she basically thought that they were maybe going to get back together. Like the details are very murky as they always are when a man is in the wrong. But like I made the decision to move ahead of the rela- with the relationship and I haven't had a reason to doubt him since, but it haunts me. So exactly. I get where she's coming from. And it's funny she mentioned intuition because it's the same thing. I didn't see this coming. And so many of us, like we don't see a cheating episode coming. We don't see abuse coming. And then, yeah, we turn it back on ourselves. It's like, how do we not know? Are we not listening to our intuition? I mean, sometimes, true, we are ignoring red flags. But sometimes people are just really good liars, you know, and there's nothing we can do. There's no way we can know. And all we can do is be like, if something bad happens, there's, I can't see everything coming, but I can be sure that whatever it is, I myself will get through it. Like I'm not going to lay down and die in the street because the guy turned out to be kind of a shitbird. So it's good that he came clean, you know, Holly's boyfriend, but... I just wonder if, like, the issue is not even that he kissed an ex and not issue is that he cut off that friend, which he needed to. It's that it's just a personality differential with you guys. Like, 
I am very flirty. So I kind of understand where her boyfriend's coming from. Like, I just need to flirt a lot to fulfill my ego, to keep my claws sharp, to just, you know, it's just how I am. I'm a little peacock. And fortunately, my boyfriend is too. So he gets that and he's not like jealous. And like, I think it's fine and funny to hear about girls flirting with her. I kind of like it. You know, I like to be a little bit jealous sometimes. But if I'm a more introverted person, I could understand where that is terrorizing. So I actually think the issue is her wanting full transparency. I am very much against full transparency. I don't want to know. I don't want to know. If you need to flirt with a coworker, don't tell me about it. Because there's only so many reasons why someone would tell their girlfriend about it. I mean, yes, the issue of like, I'm in the doghouse and I, you know, I told her I would. But it's also like, maybe he's telling you that so that he's reminding you that, hey, girls want me and like, you should want me too. That could come from a weak ego place, like right or wrong. He could also just kind of be being a dick. Be like, you know what? Other girls want me. That's not fun. That's not fun to be in a relationship with. But I think the overall problem is like, either you trust someone or you don't, you know? And if you don't, it's understandable. Like, I don't blame her for being like, I just can't get past this and I'm never going to look at this person the same. If that's the case, though, you gotta just leave. You can't leave them in the doghouse for the rest of the relationship. You can't put all of these artificial rules like the full transparency thing, if for no other reason, because it makes you miserable. So what's the point of that? The whole thing is supposed to make you feel better, not worse. So if you really just can't get past something, then just move on. But if you say, I'm going to be in this relationship with you and I'm making the choice to trust you, you actually just have to do that and keep moving forward and not keep bringing it up. And it's difficult and it sucks. But that's just the way it is if you want to cultivate a healthy relationship. So Nia sent in this question. She said, hi, Shallon. Okay, I've decided to break up with my boyfriend. I'm working really hard on myself, new job, going to therapy, working out, all of that. My boyfriend is weighing me down. He's an alcoholic. He's toxic. We argue. Like, for example, he said, you're retarded. He called me retarded. I'm going to break up with him ASAP. But... I still love him. He can be so loving and make me feel so special. And we've been together for like a year and a half. So we've gone on a lot of vacations. We've talked about the future. And I know leaving is the right move, but I know I'm going to miss him like a lot. So what can I do when I start missing him and what we had? So I get that. Oh, I get this. I get this. I get this. I get this. It's such a difficult feeling to leave a relationship when there are good points. But it's important to remember that every single relationship does have a good point. And in times like this, I think back on one person, Adolf Hitler. Yes, Adolf Hitler. I had to do a biography on him in school. I don't know if I've talked about this in previous podcasts. It sounds familiar, but maybe I was just talking to one of you guys. So bear with me if I'm talking about Hitler yet again, if this is becoming like the Hitler dating podcast. So yeah, I did a biography on him in school. So I know more about like Hitler and the Third Reich than any like not neo-Nazi person should. It's really not very cute on dates. And what I most remember about what I learned is all of the good things that he did. That is what sticks out to me because it was definitely the most shocking thing. Like he was bizarrely attached to animals. He had all these golden retrievers. Like one was named Blondie. Like isn't that so on brand, right? And he made all these weird animal protection laws, like while he was chancellor of Germany, like you couldn't eat lobster anymore because he thought it was cruel to boil them alive. 
is this not the weirdest thing you've ever heard? It's the weirdest thing I've ever heard. Because, like, he's evil. Completely evil. Completely thoroughly evil. But that's the point. Even someone evil is capable of doing good things. Maybe accidentally. Maybe to manipulate. Maybe because they get a side benefit from it. Whatever. But it it is possible. And I'm not saying her boyfriend, Nia's boyfriend, is evil. But it's the same analogy. It's like even a shitty relationship is going to have its good points, right? So we can't judge people by the depths of their like kindness. We have to, unfortunately, judge them by the depths of their depravity and how mean they can be to us. And calling her retarded, weighing her down, being an addict, that's, that's pretty low. It's not Hitler low, but I don't think it should have to be in order for us to stand up and say, you know what? This just isn't good enough for me. It's just not. So there's always going to be things that you miss about someone who's toxic, you know, and that's exactly how we get caught in toxic relationships because like, we're like, well, I can't leave. I mean, we have these good points and this is, this is so complicated and this is so new and this isn't how it is with other people and their toxic relationships. Like their toxic relationships are all bad. No girl, they're not. They've got good points also. So it's really important for us to like, realize that we're not alone in how we're feeling. And like, yes, that means we're not special and it's not so complicated. It's actually pretty straightforward. But this is good because we're all part of this fabric of sisterhood, you know, and we're all experiencing the same things. But when you're experiencing it, like you're just, you're so in it, you can't see it. But that's why I'm here. But like every abused wife, every girlfriend that's been cheated on, every codependent spouse, they've had good times too. And people like this guy who Nia's dating, they know this. Consciously or unconsciously, they give you just enough goodness to keep you hanging on. After a year, they know what buttons to push. They know what sweet phrases to say. They know. And it's not like they're doing it to be manipulative. I mean, a lot of them are, but not always consciously. But like, you know what I think about stuff like that. Like, I don't give a shit if your toxic behavior is conscious or not. Drunk driving isn't necessarily like purposeful or intentional doesn't mean it isn't hurtful and has consequences, you know? So they, yes, they give you just enough conversation, just enough vacation fun, sweet little presents. Like that's the oldest story in the book because relationships are always going to have ups and downs. Yes. But the lows should not be him calling you retarded and being an alcoholic. You know, it should be normal things like I like sushi and he doesn't. He's always going to country music shows and wants me to come and I can't stand it. Like small downs, maybe a little bit bigger, but not like that. So you know what? Even if those things were not a factor, even if he was completely healthy and normal, you still have the right to say, I'm just playing over this. I'm just over this. It was a season and now the season's ended. And acknowledge that you're going to see things and you're going to remember things that are hurtful and nostalgic, but trust your judgment. You broke it off for a reason, and it's called a breakup because it's broken. And I, I do this all the time. I mean, I've dated a lot of people, so it's really natural for me to look back and be like, oh, James, oh, Connor, oh. But then it's like, no, 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 no. By the time I leave someone, they have pushed me so far. It's not the second or third or 520th chance. It's like the 10 millionth. And finally, when I walked out, I have had it. 
And again, like I said, even if you haven't, like, even if you aren't shredded as a human being and at the complete end of your tether, you don't have to be. And each relationship should solidify that. Each time we break up with someone, there should be less and less chances that we've given them, you know, because our boundaries are short up. Our self-worth is short up or we're smarter. We know what red flags are and we're just not going to do it because the fact of the matter is toxic people can love you very much. Toxic people are often trying to be nice. They're trying to love you in their own weird, toxic way. And it's not always about intention. You know, it's about the reality. And the reality is this situation isn't healthy. A young lady named Isabella submitted this question to me and she said, hi, Shallon. So I've been with my boyfriend for about a year and recently he went on vacation with his family for a few weeks and I'm really struggling a lot with being alone and having anxiety and having panic attacks. And okay, how do I deal with being suddenly all by myself most of the time? Like, I don't want to lose my sense of self, even though our relationship is healthy. I also feel like knowing, like him knowing that I'm sad or struggling kind of drives him away a little bit. So how do I stay strong for myself so that I can enjoy my summer vacation and for the sake of my relationship? So I think this is something like a lot of us deal with because when we partner up with someone, we give all of ourselves, you know, like guys, I feel like a lot of times have one foot outside the door. I mean, and actually, you know what? A lot of us girls too do too. But when we go all in, I mean, we are all in and we go into what I call like the boyfriend abyss. It's like the first two or three months you, I mean, you're not seeing your friends. You're not doing your laundry. You're just like hanging out with him and looking at each other and eating. And it's wonderful. But then you kind of come back to an equilibrium. You're like, all right, no, I'm going to go like by myself this weekend to see my friends. I'm going to go to yoga, blah, blah, blah. And you come back to this balance or at least you should. That's what's healthy. But it doesn't always work like that. So my boyfriend actually moved a few states away. He's in D.C. now. And I've really been surprised at how hard it is without him. Like I'm an only child. I like being by myself. Like when I say I need downtime, I mean alone. People like, yeah, like I'll come over. We'll have downtime. I'm like, no, no, no. Please stay away from me. Please be where I am not. (laughs) Like even my boyfriend, I was like, no, I need to be by myself. So I kind of didn't think I would like mind that much that he moved, but I am feeling very similar to how Isabella's feeling. Like, you know, I'm sort of like adrift and anxious without him. And then I'm like, okay, this is proof positive that I need to work on myself. You know, because he cannot be my crutch. And it has been a wake up call. Like people don't exist to be our emotional support animals. They're not a security blanket. They're not an antidote. They're none of these things. They shouldn't have to come into this relationship with an unknown agenda to fix us. Like, you know, when you see like a celebrity story like baby to save the marriage. Wow, that sucks for that tiny little baby who's just being born with no idea that oh you have a job to do here actually you have to save a marriage same with having a boyfriend like he's not partnering up with you to save you I mean if it's ostensibly a healthy not codependent relationship right you know because here's the reason we don't do that it doesn't work it doesn't work and I know Isabella thinks and I know I thought that the reason our boyfriends are gone is is like I'm sorry, that the reason for our anxiety is that our boyfriends are gone, but it's not. It's not. And if we tell ourselves that it is, we're going to foster a completely codependent relationship. 
And if that happens, the absolute best case scenario, the best case scenario is that we will drive these boys away and they will be overwhelmed with our emotional demands and needs. Second best will be setting up a parent-child dynamic where we're the baby, they're the daddy, and not like in the fun, sexy way. And it's like, we need constant care. Now, how fun does that sound, right? I've talked about parent-child dynamics. I think I've touched on it briefly, but like studies have shown that it is the number one most terrible dynamic in a relationship. I mean, maybe not number one, but it's up there. I mean, obviously like abuse is terrible, but like a parent-child dynamic, it sucks the sexuality out of your relationship, right? Because if you're constantly needy, if he constantly has to provide, then I mean, that doesn't foster a lot of lust. It doesn't foster a lot of chemistry. Like I said, it fosters codependency. But that isn't the worst case scenario. Notice I said these were the best case scenarios where he's just going to get plain sick of having to be your everything and fix you. Where he doesn't just get to be the boyfriend. No, 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 no. He's got to be the savior. He's got to be your everything. No one wants to feel like someone is completely dependent on them for all of their needs in any specific category. I mean, whether it's something simple like all of my like nutritional needs, like you have to make sure I'm eating my vegetables all the time. Like, wow, how sexy and fun. So the worst case scenario is this will create an abusive dynamic. Now, my boyfriend's not like this. I'm sure Isabella's boyfriend's not like this because these are good guys. But in the future, if we don't get a grip on stuff like this, we will be susceptible to people like that because a lot of people will hone in on this weakness that we have and exploit it for their own gain. So the answer for both of us and probably for you guys listening is to get to the root of the anxiety. What is it we believe a guy is saving us from? family we can't stand to be around, stagnancy our career, a city we don't want to be in. I mean, that's my thing. Like, I don't want to be in New York City anymore. I'm tired of it here. And I feel like kind of trapped. I'm just, I'm just like a ball of anxiety. And having my boyfriend around distracts me from that just enough that I don't do anything about it. You know what I mean? And I have the feeling the same thing is going on in Isabella's life and probably your own. Like we keep people and situations around that make life work just enough that like there's no real fire that we have to put out, you know, but it also keeps a sort of low grade unhappy and pulling that crutch away makes us realize just how wobbly we are. So whatever it is that we're dealing with under there, we got to look it in the face because in life, we're all going to go through something, some kind of anxiety and have some kind of vice that we use to anesthetize ourselves. whether it's, you know, a guy around us at all times, a drink, a casino, a shopping spree, sex, whatever. It's the same issue dressed up in a different way. So we need to all use this time to grow and it's going to be cringy and painful, but that's why it's called growing pains. But if either one of us and if any of you guys really want to hang on to your relationships, this is the work we have to do. Because know this, no one is coming to save us. No one is is coming to save us from ourselves. No one should have to do that job. And it doesn't even work. I wish it did. I wish it worked to be an alcoholic. I was like, oh, I'll just drink all day and my problems won't exist. I kind of think some people have tried that. Maybe didn't work out so well. That's annoying. It's the same with love. We have to be our own hero. That is the gift and that is the curse. 
The podcast you just heard was made using Anchor. Ever thought about making your own podcast? Anchor makes it really easy for anyone to get started. It's a one-stop shop for recording, hosting, and distributing podcasts. Best of all, it's 100% free. Sign up now at anchor.fm slash new. That's anchor.fm slash new to get started.